Jesus comforts his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not let you, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, Iscariot said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not live, love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. For the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. 
Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come, let us leave. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Peter. Father, as we turn to your word, we pray that you would reveal your truth to us. Speak to us, challenge us, rebuke us, fill us with your spirit and help us to take away what you are teaching us today. In Jesus' name, amen. The opening um, verse, the opening sentence in that chapter 14 let not your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You have to ask ourselves, why, why did Jesus say that at this particular moment in, in time? And that's something to take hold of as, as we look at that. And often this text is often used and is preached at funerals and for good reason because it contains promises that are, are uh, profoundly comforting, especially to those who who are in the face of death, they've lost a loved one. But we need to understand that this passage is not just about death only, but is a text that has everything to do with our lives here and now. And the setting that this, where this takes place is, is uh, Jesus' farewell address in the Last Supper to his disciples. If you go back to chapter 13 and if you look at verses 1 to, to 20, Jesus is, has washed his disciples' feet and he explains to them what that means. And then when you move on to verse 21, he has foretold his betrayal by Judas and Judas has slipped out into the night. He goes on to tell them that <coughs> in verse 33 that he won't be with his disciples much longer. He, in a little while he'll be gone and where he is going they cannot come. And then, quite disturbingly for all of them, in, in verses 36 to 38, he also, uh, Jesus also uh, foretold Peter's imminent denial. So with all that that's happening, with one of them going to betray Jesus, they weren't quite sure at that stage who it was, with Peter going to deny him very shortly, with Jesus telling them that, and, and they've walked with Jesus for so long, that he is actually going to go away and, and not be with them any longer. No wonder they were troubled. Because they really expected that Jesus was going to usher in a new kingdom where he would reign as king. And they were looking at it from an earthly perspective. But it, it wasn't in the way that they expected. Now, their Jesus, their beloved teacher, is leaving them. One of their own is turned against them. 
and the stalwart leader, you could say, amongst the disciples is said to be on, on the brink of the greatest failure of loyalty. It's as it were the ground was, was shifting beneath their feet. No wonder they were troubled. And so Jesus steps in and says, responds to the anxiety that he can see building up in the disciples and says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And here Jesus is calling them back to the fundamental relationship of trust. And he goes on to assure them that he is not abandoning them. He says, I am going to send you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's returning to the Father. And Jesus assures his disciples that eventually that this will be their destination also. He says, he goes on to say, in my house are many dwellings. In my Father's house are many dwellings. And he goes there to prepare a place for them in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 14. So that they will be with him and dwell with him in his intimate relationship with the Father. When Jesus says that they know the way to the place where he is going, Thomas, like most characters in the gospel, takes Jesus quite literally. He wants directions. He wants a road map, and if it was today, he'd want Google Maps. And Jesus responds by saying to him in verse 6, he says, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But I think as I read this passage, I see a number of things that jump out to me. One is that there's fear to avoid. I don't know whether you're a fearful person. What is it that you fear? There's times I can't help but be fearful. I know we're not meant to be, and there's is it 360, no, 366 verses in the Bible that says, do not fear. One for every day of the year plus the extra day in leap year. But what is it that you might fear? Is it the future? You don't know what's going to happen. Is it maybe a health issue? There's something going on inside your body that you're aware of and, and, and you're worried about it? You're fearful about it? Is it your marriage? Are you afraid that there's something wrong with your marriage? Is it finance? Is it, is it what others may think of you? The list could go on and on. Could be a fear, is it going to um, rain next Sunday, the barbecue? The fears can be all sorts of fears. And the disciples were so fearful, otherwise Jesus would not have said these words. He could see the fear in them. And this statement by Jesus is a promise. It's a word of comfort to his disciples, and it's also a promise to us, and it's a comfort to us this morning. Jesus himself is all that they need. They don't need anything else. There's no need to panic. There's no need to search desperately for a secret map. Jesus adds, if you know me, in verse 7, you know my Father also. And if you know me, and of course they did know him, you will know my Father also. So there can be no misunderstanding 
And Jesus says, from now on, you do not know him and have se- you do know him and have seen him. This time it's Philip who, who is not quite convinced. He said, Lord, show us the Father in verse 8 and we will be satisfied. I, I think Jesus' response, there's a little hint of exasperation here. He says in verse 9, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever knows me has seen the Father. Verse 9. And here Jesus echoes an affirmation from the prologue of John's Gospel back in in chapter 1, verse 18. It says this, No one has ever seen seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. And this is the whole of Jesus' mission to make the Father known, to reveal who God is. Jesus has come from the Father and is now returning there. It is the fullest revelation of the person and character of God. If we want to know God, if we want to know who he is, we need look no further than Jesus. All the words that Jesus has spoken All the works that he has done come from God and show us who God is in verses 10 to 11. So maybe you're a person who has fear. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. But what does he go on to say? He says to have faith. He says, believe also in me. The gospel message is very simple. I think of a friend of mine who's now gone to glory, who when I was a curate in Marilyn, he was a great help to me when we were starting off the fundraising for Fields of Life. And when I was leaving Marilyn uh, for good, I said to him, thank you, Fred, for all the work that you have done to help us raise the money that we needed to buy the farm. And Fred looked at me and he says, God knew what he was doing when he saved me two years ago. And for some reason I just said, Fred, you would have still helped me even if you hadn't been a Christian, if you hadn't been saved. And he said, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have done it. God changed something in my heart that I wanted to help others. But I said, Fred, how did did that happen to you? You You were a church man. And I knew from from my rector, from the guy I worked with, that he'd been a regular church attender every Sunday, never missed. I said, Fred, how was it that you sat in church every Sunday? You heard the gospel, you heard many different preachers preach. He says, well, I was at another church. I was at the funeral of a friend. And as the minister was sharing a eulogy about this guy, my friend who had died, he said something that caught my ear. And I said, what did he say? And he said, he said about the man who had died, he says, he became a Christian because the gospel message was so simple that he almost missed it. And Fred said, that struck something in my head. And I went and he got counsel and gave his life to Jesus. The gospel message is simple. It's a message about the death, the burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because of my sin, because of your sin. 
we mess, we've messed up, we've all messed up. But Jesus came and dying on the cross, he rescued us, he saved us. It isn't enough just to believe that there is a God. We read in James 2, 19, after all the devils also believe. And they aren't saved. And sometimes we, we use these words and people don't know what we mean and they think we're getting whatever. But to be saved, a person must believe the gospel message. But don't stop merely by um, believing that these were an actual historic events, the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Embrace them by faith and be saved by the grace of God. In verse 6 of chapter 14. To illustrate the simplicity of the gospel, one need only to hear a few verses from John 3. And you all could quote it to me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And even though this passage is read a lot, as we said, at funerals and has a lot to do with life after death, it has everything to do with life here and now because Jesus entrusts his mission to his disciples in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 14. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And this next bit blows my mind. In fact, we'll do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask for anything, I will do it. Let me read those two verses to you again, verses 13 and 14. And these will be God's whispers tomorrow morning. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask for anything, I will do it. It's a hard one to grasp and take hold of it. Greater works than what Jesus did but remember those works that Jesus did of healing the blind and raising the dead. But it's through Jesus who is doing those things through you that he will do these things. Whatever you ask for in my name. Friends, we've all had the pain. We've all had the pain of praying for healing that did not come for a friend or for yourself of feeling powerless in the face of disease and death. <coughs> How can this promise be true? And perhaps as we've been hearing these promises, we expect to do greater works in the same way that Jesus did them with miraculous power that instantly solves the problem at hand. Yet even miracles are not guaranteed to produce faith. Many in John's Gospel who witness the signs that Jesus performs have trouble seeing the work of God right before them. And towards the end of the gospel, Thomas says to the risen Lord and confesses, my Lord and my God. And Jesus responds, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. And this is not so much a scolding, I believe, for Thomas. Sometimes we're very hard on poor old Thomas. But I believe it's a blessing for us who have yet not seen 
and yet believe, how feeble our believing may seem, however weak our faith may be, Jesus promises to be with us through the power of the Holy Spirit, to work in and through us to accomplish his, his purposes in the world. This does not necessarily happen in easy, easily visible, spectacular ways. Yet whenever there is healing, reconciling, life-giving work happening, this is the work of God. Wherever there is life in abundance, this is Jesus' presence in our midst. We read in, in uh, chapter 1 and verse 18, no one has ever seen God. It is only God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. Jesus has made known to us the heart of God, and he has entrusted this mission of making known to us. Where might we see Jesus' work and presence in our midst how might we show others the very heart of God? Let's have faith to see what God wants to do in and through us. And then get on and do the work that he has called us to do. So we've had fear, we've had faith, and now what about the future? Jesus brings peace to troubled hearts. Jesus said, I've gone back, I'm going back to my Father. I'm going back to heaven. <clears throat> to prepare a place for his disciples and that he will come back again to take them there. Life at times can be very troublesome. Life at times can be tedious. It is not normal for us to look for what lends meaning to our lives and gives satisfaction. For some reason, most people refuse to look to Jesus to give meaning to life and peace to their hearts. They look elsewhere. They try all sorts of different things. When we listen to Jesus, we find the answer to our quest. He encourages us to replace our anxieties and confusion in our hearts with a simple but absolute belief in him. He promises to give meaning and purpose to our lives, greater and higher than anyone or anything else can offer. His promises are absolutely real. They are absolutely true. Christ's promises of peace reaches far beyond this life into eternity. And he assures us that he left this earth and went to the Father's house in heaven to a prayer place for us. In verse 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. The wondrous promise gives our lives meaning. Instead of viewing this life as a few decades in which to accomplish something and then die forever, we can understand that this life is short, though difficult journey, sometimes it can be, but is a journey towards our eternal home where we can accomplish everything good and satisfying and never die. And in another chapter, in chapter 11, Jesus said to Mary, I am the resurrection of life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And then the one that I quoted earlier, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. To know that there is a place for us in God's eternal home, what more do we need to make us fulfilled and at peace? 
to believe in the promise of a place in our Father's house. It helps us to know how we are going to get there safely. Jesus assures us that he himself will personally return, gather us up to him and escort us to our new home. In verse 3, since I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And Jesus goes on to say that no one, no one can come to the Father except through him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Unless we are in that blessed gathering that Jesus himself escorts to heaven on that last day, we have no other way of getting there and will never see our Father's house. How do we become one of those who are assured of this escort to heaven? Jesus himself tells us what's required. Let me try and make this very simple. I don't know whether you're into rugby or not, but just assume you are and you're going to what used to be Lansdowne Road, the Aviva Stadium. And you arrive at the stadium, you arrive at the turnstile and you go through and the guy says, where is your ticket? You said, I don't have a ticket. I don't need a ticket to get in here. He says, well, I'm sorry, you do. Why do you think you can come in here when you don't have a ticket? He says, well, I'm very friendly with Andy Farrell. He's a great friend of mine. I, I don't care. You don't have a ticket, you need to get in. But I know the players, I watch every game on television. I know every move. I even know who the referee is, I need to get in. But the guy says, well, you have a ticket. You can't get in unless you have a ticket. And you could stand there and there would probably be a queue forming behind you and you could make every argument as to why you should get into that stadium. But without a ticket, you can't get in. Friends, sometimes I think we think we can get into heaven without a ticket. We think we can get into heaven because we've been good, because we know Jesus, we've believed in Jesus, we know about God, we went to church every Sunday, but that's not the ticket you need to get into heaven. So you might be standing there and saying, what is the ticket that you need. The first thing you need to do is believe that Jesus Christ came in your place, that he died on the cross, not just for your sin, but for all our sin. That he died, was buried, on the third day he rose again. You need to confess your sin to him. Say you're sorry for all those things that you have done wrong. You need to accept him as your Lord and Savior. You need to enter into a relationship with him. That he becomes your Lord. He becomes your master. The things you do, you do for him. And there needs to be then commitment to, to grow in that relationship. Whenever you had a friendship starting and now you have the best friend in the whole world, how did that happen? It started with that initial contact, but you worked at that friendship so that you have the best friend ever. And it's the same with Jesus. We need to make that commitment. We need to believe in him. We need to confess our sin. We need to accept him and join a fellowship 
and grow in the knowledge and love of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So I'd like to conclude this morning by asking three questions. They're very simple ones. Because I'm a simple kind of a guy and I don't like difficult questions. But here you are. What are you afraid of today? What are you afraid of today? Think of one thing that you're afraid of today. If you will come to him, the Lord can and will replace your fear with his precious peace. If you come to him, the Lord can and will replace your fear with his precious peace. Number two question. Are you able to get your eyes above your trials and see the gates of home? If the burdens of life and the troubles of life have gotten you down, I invite you to come before the Lord and let him cast, help you to cast your gaze higher than this earth. There is help and there is hope in him. What are you trusting? Third question. What are you trusting in to take you to heaven? Everybody believes, everybody believes in something. But have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your personal savior? If not, I would encourage you to do that today and come to him by faith. Friends, regardless of what you need today, regardless of what you need today, you will find your answer in Jesus, no matter what your need is. And there will be prayer ministry here at the end of the service. And if there's anything you would like, any fear that you want prayed about, anything else that you want prayed about, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then come on the prayer team. would be very happy to minister uh, to you. Let's pray together.